Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. This week's episode is on the power of pause and burnout recovery with burnout coach Mona Eschaker. Mona is a licensed marriage and family therapist who uses she, her pronouns. Um, She's also a mental health consultant. She specializes in burnout recovery and prevention on the individual and systemic levels and is passionate about balance and psychological safety for historically underrepresented folks. I think talking about burnout is always timely when we live within capitalism, but it feels especially good to me to be releasing this episode in this weird week after Christmas, before New Year's, where it feels kind of like liminal space before the end of the year. And I know folks have all kinds of opinions about New Year's. For me, Um, I think that, yes, New Year's is an arbitrary date, and it's random and Gregorian calendar-based, not nature-based, but all of the collective energy that we put into it and that we create around it makes it not arbitrary to me, and it totally feels like a death and a rebirth, so I really enjoy leaning into the liminal space energy in this week and around the end of this year. And I'm doing some ritual and things to support that. And all of that to say, I'm really tired. (laughs) Maybe other people are too. Maybe burnout is on other people's minds. I don't know, but it's on my mind right now. And it feels like a really good time to share this episode. So in this episode, we talk about Mona's journey with burnout and mental health. How rest makes space to figure out what you actually want. The power of pause what's happening with burnout emotionally, physically, and spiritually, what to do when you know you need to rest but you're required to keep producing, rewriting stories around rest, laziness, and productivity, centering community care without burning out, becoming a stranger to yourself when you repress your feelings, losing touch with your yeses and nos when you burn out, and honoring and feeling your feelings. I found the Um, later part of our conversation where we're talking about those yeses and nos and feeling your feelings so powerful so definitely listen to the whole episode if you have space and that feels good Um, that part felt so nourishing and I think one of the things with burnout that I'm connecting with is sometimes there aren't answers sometimes we have more questions than answers because we are living in capitalism and we're living in this really fucked up world with really fucked up systems and Um, I think working with burnout is about trying to be okay within those systems and doing some of that deprogramming work that we talk about around rewriting stories around rest and laziness and productivity and it's about trying to find ways to care for ourselves and care for others while we're existing within the system that wants us to produce all the time and where we have we're negotiating different levels of scarcity and privilege and class and it's just complicated and it's not simple so i hope this conversation feels nourishing and maybe it just feels nourishing to hear these things named and to hear 
and to be in conversation about them. Um, but wherever you're at, I'm sending you love. I'm hoping you're able to find some space to rest today, this week, always. And I'll be back next week with another episode. So enjoy. And I always like to start the podcast by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear about your journey with burnout and mental health and how you came into doing this work. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's yeah. really happy to really happy to be here. And I will say when I was listening back to your episodes, you have such a good podcasting voice. Like it's, <laughs> like just listening to your voice. I was just like, oh, I just feel better already. So, oh my God. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's your medium. It is your medium. Podcasting. I really love doing it. <laughs> yes. Heck yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. So yeah. Where does the journey begin? I mean, Oh goodness, I don't know where to start. So I'll start with my burnout journey, which is I'll start from the beginning, which is a child of immigrants. So my parents came from the Swana region, which is also known as Middle East, so Iraq and Iran. So they came to the US before I was born, when I was born in California. And they were definitely part of the uh they they truly, truly believed in the American dream. So they they were those people who had the American flags up, they loved America. Um and um, which amplified post 9-11, which makes a lot of sense because they're like, we're not those, we're not those Arabs or Muslims. Like we're 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 like you, right? So there was a lot of assimilation. So I grew up with assimilation and I grew up with the idea if you work hard, it, that's the way to be successful. So I saw my parents overwork. That was ingrained in me. Um, you know, they both had they ran their own businesses. Uh they they worked, I'm gonna say like 14 plus hour days, including weekends. Um on you know summer breaks and we weren't in school we worked in our parents stores like that like we were like we look back we're like was this child labor I mean like we enjoyed it um this is back in like the 80s and 90s where I think there's a little bit more it was a little bit more relaxed then so anyways all this was really ingrained from an early age um and so yes starting from college always had a job high school always had a job and then um once I started I got into the healing profession uh, because I enjoyed just talking to people and I did see the power of just really self-expression and how powerful that could be. Just opening your heart up to somebody with, who's non-judgmental is, is so powerful. So I was lucky enough to see that happen in front of me and wanting to know more about that. Um, and then in my job, if anybody listening right now works in social services, like either in, in as a social worker, as a therapist in the medical field, right? I think in a lot of fields, really, there is this sentiment that um, you come second, right? Your client is always first, the work comes first. And so if you carve any space for yourself, um, you're, you're kind of looked down upon, to be honest. So we almost like we wear this sort of badge of honor that, yeah, I have like 300 clients, or I have like 20, you know, like we, we, we maximize our time. um, And we're, doing notes, right? I mean, I remember after graduate school, so I went to graduate school for clinical psychology and the job that I got was at a, it's called an acute diversion unit. So um, it's like before somebody goes to the ER, if they're having like a a basically mental health emergency, dual diagnosis, a lot of uh, um, substance misuse, um, a lot of houseless folks. So it was a 24 hour facility. They lived there. They were rehabilitated, quote unquote there. And so I was on my feet constantly. And like, that was just the setup and we were getting paid hourly. I think I was getting paid like $8 an hour, which I guess back then makes sense. But even now I'm just like, 
geez, mm. really, I mean, you put your whole body into this work, right? Your heart, your soul, and your body. And that was the expectation. That's what I saw around me. And that's what my parents installed, right? Like I just like, I continued being reinforced. Um, and I remember one day I was so hungry. I was tired. I was on my feet all day. I was just doing notes. It was like emergency after emergency. Um, and my boss came up to me like, Mona, do you want to take a break? I said, yes. You know, I haven't taken my 30, right? Like in California, you have to take your hour break and a 30 minute break, something like that. So I was about to take my 30 minute break. And I remember a coworker looked at me and said, you're going to take a break. It, and I, I, I say that because that's truly the, the sentiment. Um, if the minute you take a break, some rest, you're seen as you're not, you're not in it, right? Like you're not a good therapist. You're not a good social worker. You're not a good healer. Um, I will say like, I left that job. Thank goodness. I went to another job. It was just as stressful. Um, and I found out and I'll, I'll give a content warning suicide, but one of my, one of my coworkers committed suicide who worked at that same, um, that, that same facility. And again, to me, I was, when I've heard that news, I was so saddened because I really like knew this person and I really love them. Um, and I, I just saw how that institution contributed to this person's like physical decline, mental decline, because I was getting there too. Um, so yeah, all this to say long story, uh, short or longer, not as long. Um, I kind of continued that into my career up until I would say uh, the pandemic is really when it amplified. So I think I was always on this edge of breakdown, like stress. Like I was, there was a constant stream of stress in my life and anxiety. So anything could kind of tick me off, right? Somebody says something in a way that maybe I lands differently and then I might explode. Of course, I, I'm very composed. I did it internally, right? So I'll go in and and have like a whole like mood change, right? So it was affecting my moods, affecting my relationships with people. I held in a lot as well. Um, uh, and once the pandemic hit and I, and I wonder if a lot of people could resonate with this too, it, it put me, it just pushed me overboard. So like what I could sort of technically not manage, sort of manage, right. Like manage on the outside of like low level stress, anxiety, depression, but I'm doing a good job and I'm getting promoted by the way, as I'm like, just like putting myself and my body completely last doing like 110% working hard, right. American dream. Um, once the pandemic hit and I didn't have access to my coping skills, basically my resources, like my yoga class got canceled. Of course, uh, I would go out to bars and restaurants, leisure travel that all got cut. And then you're just sort of stuck at home with yourself and your thoughts. Um, I also had a lot of people in my life who were struggling with depression and because I'm the therapist of the friend group and the therapist in the family, they confided in me, which was really, um, it's emotionally a lot. And I'm going through my own like emotional turmoil. So it, it all sort of came to a head. And I, and I think just even having a moment of pause and able to sit down by myself and just sort of reflect on what, what's going on in my life. Is this worth it? Am I on the right path? And it became so abundantly clear that it was not. Um, and I will say my health was in, was in decline. I had, I had two breast cancer scares two years in a row. Um, right. My, my relationships were in that strong. Um, my mental health wasn't that great. Um, and I was experiencing some suicidal thoughts myself during the pandemic is where it really took a, a it, it peaked. So finally my, my partner were like, and my partner like lost a, a friend, Anyways, a lot of, a lot of stuff kind of hit the fan in, in the pandemic. We decided to take a full week off of work, right? Like just shut it down, like going, we got an Airbnb in the woods somewhere. Um, 
And we both kind of had, it was big enough that we had actually like separate space, which I think was important. So she had one part of the, the place that we're saying I had another part. It took five minutes and this is so powerful. It took me five minutes just to sit down in quiet without my phone in literal nature, looking up at trees. And I just kept writing in my journal. What do I want? What do I want? In five minutes, boom, it just was like, so, so clear. It was not the job that I what, that I was currently at. It wasn't the lifestyle that I was living. It was so clear of like, you can't continue this way because you're gonna you're gonna run yourself to the ground, right? It's, it was already getting to a scary point, and it was potentially gonna get scarier. Um, so honestly, just that five. It was, and I, yeah, it was just five minutes, and I could go on about like just the power of pause and just allowing your your internal wisdom to really mm-hmm. uh, have have space to speak is so powerful in just five minutes was very clear what I wanted. Uh, and then I said that, well, who can help me? Like, right. What resources? Boom. Like I had all like my friends, my networks, like the people who could help me. And then the next day I created this, like we call it a mistress mind, like a mastermind group. Um, so me and my three friends who are also therapists and they were all in private practice. We got together once a month and sort of dreamed up, what do you want for ourselves? Right. It was kind of manifesting uh, light, right? Like, what are our goals? What do we want? We support each other. Oh, have you tried this? Oh, listen to this podcast. Um, in like three months, I quit my job, started my own private practice. And like just one thing opened and led to another. Um, and now I'm like, honestly, even just yesterday, I like looked around like, oh, shoot, like I manifested this. Uh, mm. At this point, it's been about a year ago, but like I manifested working three days a week. I manifested peace and ease in my life and um, mental well- well-being, physical well-being. Being, um, it was so so powerful. So I got on. This was my journey. So sorry, this is so long. Um, no, no, it's great. I love hearing it. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so that was yeah my journey, and then um, and then my practice continues to evolve. So yeah, I'm, I I because I experienced burnout, and it really um, yeah it was so profound in my life. I got a a coach and a therapist to work on the burnout. Um, and then I kind of was really interested in the subject and then I sort of dove into the research and studied it. And then, um, then now I, I could offer those services now for, for my clients too. So I have a, a short, small caseload, which I really like of my clients on one arm. And then the other arm, I do uh, mental health uh, consulting through like HR kind of stuff. So talking about mental health in the workplace, which is kind of where it all starts. Well, it all starts at home, I think, uh, and culturally, but the workplace is where it gets reinforced. So I feel so good, so aligned that I could actually bring that, um, bring that message in the workplace and actually companies are listening to it, which is, uh, I always get surprised, but I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah. I'm so glad that they're listening too. That's amazing. (laughs) Totally. Well, I mean, I kind of think they have to, because people are leaving in droves, right? Like I'm, I'm one of this like small, what do they call it? Like the mass exodus or like Mm -hmm. the great Mm -hmm. resignation, right? Like people are past their limits and they are recognizing it for the first time. And so if a company is not, if they're not even taking into consideration, somebody's natural limits, somebody's mental health, mental well-being, they're going to leave, right? People now are like, are finally able to say, Oh wait, there's other options um, out there. Um, so it's in their best interest. Um, and I don't think they have a choice, but uh, whatever, I'll take it. If, if that means that they're talking about mental health, I'll take it. Yeah. Will you share with us maybe some of like what you found through research and personal experience and like working with people about like what's actually happening with burnout, like emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of those things? 
Yes, totally. That's such a good question. Um, I know. And I think the word burnout gets thrown out a lot now, which is great. That's fine. Um, cause again, if someone's talking about mental health, I'm just like all, all for it and I'm here for it. Um, and I think intuitively when I say burnout, I think a lot of us could relate to that, right? There's something about that feeling of feeling burnt or like past cooking, right? Like you're, you're so done that you're burnt, right? Um, you're not anyways. Yeah. You're not fully formed anymore. Um, there's something really visceral and like a sense there's an intuitive, intuitive sense about that. But what it really is, 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 is stress. So what I found about stress is stress compounds. So the more stress you have in your life, uh, it will affect you double every time it, it affects you, right? So that's why, let's say, I don't know, your car breaks down and then you get bad news. Uh, the bad news is going to feel twice as hard because you already have this stressor that's going on in your, in your life. Um, so stress compounds. When we live in a place, and and this is just culturally, where break taking and slowing down are actually, for whatever reason, seen as counterproductive or something, like means that you're not a good worker or means like you're going to be working slow. Uh, We have that that ingrained in us culturally. So we we ignore our body's natural cues. Our, Our bodies and our minds have are, have natural limits. We can't go forever, right? We can't be awake forever. We can't go, go, go forever, right? Um, and when we ignore those those signs, it, it, it means we're going to crash at the end of the day. And again, that will start compounding. Um, so what I also found, which was really interesting in the research is actually when you slow down, when you start to pay attention to your natural cues, you know, I always use the example of, you know, you have a project that's due, you've been working on it for like three hours, you are like typing at a snail's pace and you have no ideas, but you're like, I can't take a break. I'm not done. And then, you know, nature calls and then you use the restroom. And then on the way you grab some water on the way, maybe talk to somebody in, that you're living with, or if you have a pet, you pet your, you know, you take a, like a break and an unofficial break and you come back, you're working so much quicker. You have, you have a lot of ideas. You're, you're, you're more creative and you work at a faster pace. That's literally because you took a break. That's, that's all, all that is. Um, so that was really interesting as well as like remembering, got it. Like we have to take a break. So again, it feels counterintuitive to slow down when you, a lot of times we feel really urgently rushed. Like we have a lot to do, but we have to remember slowing down is good for our bodies and it's good for the work that we're, we want to produce in the world as well. Um, so there's a few things. Um, I feel like I could keep going on, but I'll, I'll pause there. Yeah. How did, I, I'm curious for you, how did that land? Was there, was, does that feel like surprising to you or does that feel like in, intuitive? Oh, that feels so true. I yeah. think, I think I've gotten pretty good in the past couple of years and especially over pandemic time of slowing down in terms of work and taking breaks and resting and working with my natural energy. Mm-hmm. And, but I also can, cause I'm self-employed and like, I have a flexible and free structure where like I can work as much as I want to theoretically. I also need money. So it's not totally, but you know, it's like, I can like do that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking about 
I was telling my partner that I was going to be talking to you because my partner has been working with a lot of burnout and adrenal fatigue this year. And I was like, is there anything that I should ask Mona that you want to know? (laughs) And they were like, yes, what do you do when you're required to keep producing, but you really just need to rest and receive? So I guess that's my question. <laughs> that's such a good question. And that's such a good point because I right now I work for myself too. So now I, I could look at my schedule and I could say, great, I have these breaks and I'm going to be resting, right? Like that. that's what I'm going to have this time to do. And mm-hmm. um, having control of your schedule is very useful, but I know that's not the reality for a lot of folks, especially, right, uh, deadlines, working within like a company, especially now, now with the pandemic and everybody re- working remotely not everybody, but a good portion of people working remotely asynchronously, the amount of meetings have that like just like tripled basically. So people are having these things called like cascading meetings where you have meeting after meeting after meeting, which is so bad because you're not giving any pause to process the, the information, right? You're just moving on. You're just being, you're just like a present body when really you're, that doesn't do anybody any good. Right. Um, so I would say to somebody who wants to take, who's feeling the fatigue, great. So I love that, right? Like being able to identify in your body what what stress looks like for you, because it actually does look different for everybody. For me, I get this nasty like neck, like my neck basically is where I feel it. It gets really stiff um, or I like my shoulder, right? It's my neck and my shoulder. That's where I feel it the most. So whenever I feel that, that is my cue to stop. That's like, oh, my body. I've like overridden my brain's cues, maybe some natural cues. And then my brain, my body will feel some physical pain and I'll say, got it. Sorry. I ignored you body mind. Um, I'll slow down and I'll stop. Um, but if you're working within a system where there's like an expectation to do that, honestly, I would talk to talk to your manager, like advocate for this stuff. Cause your manager knows this stuff is true too, right? Like if they, if they want to preserve you and and they do want to preserve you, right? Because companies would much rather you stay um, than quit or get fired. Right. So, and now that I work in the HR side of things, I start to see things I've never seen before, which is it costs companies so much more money to rehire, um, interview, train up somebody. So if you have a fear of, if I slow down, if I ask for what I want, I'm going to get fired. I urge you to, um, to uh, rethink that because it really truly isn't isn't the case. They want to keep you as as much as possible, and they and they want you there. So you belong there. You're hired there. Asking for your needs um, sh- should not lead to a firing or reprimandation. If that is the case, then yeah, that's actually illegal. If you feel like you're being reprimanded for centering your your mental health um, or asking for what you need. So if that ever gets to that point, right? If you actually have or retaliation in some way, I would say either go to HR or maybe get some legal counsel because that's actually not supposed mm-hmm. to happen. And that, and I would actually say that's sort of outlier case. Um, so so I encourage you to speak up, right? So talk to your manager and say, this is what I'm feeling. And I know it's scary because we don't want to talk about mental health in the workplace. And I do this too, where I'm like, oh, if I share with my boss that I'm like, having, I'm like depressed or I'm anxious that they're going to think that I'm not a good employee and I'm not doing it. And then there's a, you know, will that affect my, my career here, my promotions or whatever? Um, it, it won't most likely your boss is also stressed and drained and like could actually benefit from hearing it from somebody else as well. So Mm -hmm. asking just, you could ask for what you need, or if you don't know what you need, if you just want to share that you have fatigue, um, 
um, and you feel overworked and you need support, just saying that alone is, will open the door for, for a creative solution, right? A collaborative solution. Um, so if you say, hey, I like to take, and this is something that I encourage too, is micro breaks throughout the day. So working in like, um, um, like um, working in chunks. So maybe working like at a 90 minute period or a 30 minute period and then taking a smaller break right after, just again, to give your brain the time to just process what you just did, give your body the time to relax, and then you're refreshed for the next task. Um, that usually works for, for folks who, especially who are, um, dealing with fatigue, but whatever works for you, if you know what works for you, ask for it. And if you don't just open up the conversation and see what they, what, what uh, options they have to the table. I, I think you might be pleasantly surprised uh, again, company, you deserve to be there. It's going to be very rare for them to fire you because you're expressing that you need support. Um, um, and, um, who knows what, what, uh, other um, options are on the table, right? And again, when we're in a stressed out mode, we're less creative, like literally the creative mm -hmm. part of our brains. We have basically, we have less gray matter available and our synapses get modified. So we literally don't have access to our creative brain. We don't have access to like our long-term memory. Um, so it actually does affect our way to problem solve, which is unfortunate because when you're so past the point of stress where you're burnt out, you need to sort of find some creative solutions. So I think opening the conversation um, would be really beneficial. Yeah, that makes me think about more of like the mindset stuff too, because I feel like what you're sharing about how you grew up and like the culture within your family and just like capitalism and how like the United States culture in quotes is um, like we we learn all these things that you're talking about, like rest is bad. It's lazy. Like productivity is the number one, most important thing and all these stories and stuff. And it's, I think it's actually so intense to try and rewrite those stories and step into a new way of thinking and being. Cause it's, I don't know. I feel like it's something about identity. Like you were mentioning about at your job, it's like, if you're taking a break, you're bad and you don't care. And I mm. feel like it's that like in a lot of contexts, it's like capitalism is like, if you are not like prioritizing this productivity at every second, then you're bad, you're lazy, you deserve whatever happens to you. And that's so much. <laughs> it's so much. And then we police each other too, which is so unfortunate, even though like that person who told me you're going to take a break right now, when like I was at my, my limit, they're at their limit. I, I knew who she was. Like I knew how stressed out she was yeah. um, because she didn't give herself that permission. I think it was easy for her to, to police me in that way too. Mm -hmm. um, but it does literally just start with, and you know, for, forget about what people think around you. It really does start with you. Cause if, if I saw somebody in the workplace and this happened, this was true. Whenever I saw my coworkers take vacations, that was my cue of like, Oh yeah. Like I could do that too. Right. When I see people like, Hey, I'm going to take a break right now. That again was my cue. It, it helps other people reminding them, right. Just as somebody trying to reprimand me for taking a break, uh, announcing you're taking a break, normalizing that is good for you. And it's good for your, the community as well. To your point of how intense it is to unlearn, relearn, uh, reverse capitalism because it's so ingrained. It, it, yeah. I don't know if you experienced this too. So when I went from like the corporate, first I went to nonprofit, and then I went to sort of corporate. Once I went from that world to just 
kind of, I had a little free time. I felt so guilty. I was, I was like, I'm sorry, it's 12 o'clock and I'm laying down. Like I couldn't believe myself and it felt, I felt so bad, right? The, the guilt was and the shame. Mm-hmm. That means I'm not doing something right. Okay. I have to like run, run, run. It, it was literally my friends who are in private practice telling me, Mona, enjoy this time. No, no, build your practice with intention. You're going to get busy. You will get busy, right? But you're building your foundation. You're building your, so I, it was actually really good for me to honestly, to just get reminded of that. Like it's okay mm-hmm. to take it slow, be gentle with yourself taking it slow at the beginning and being really intentional, especially if you're starting a new routine or a new business or a new project um, is so good because now the foundation is really solid. I I will say it took me probably, yeah, just being fully honest, maybe 11 months for me to like, with like trial and error of like actually dedicating time in the day. Like I would do it. I'd have to put it in my calendar of like, Mm-hmm. wake up, try meditation, you know, maybe I'm going to stretch in the middle of the day, maybe take a bath later, right? Like I would try to put these into my, my calendar. I didn't, it was, it was very hard basically. And it took me about 11 months because the more you do it, the more it feels good. And then the more it feels good, that's more data to remember and you're more likely to do it. Right. So it, so be gentle with yourself. It could take a full year. Um, but if that is what you want, and if that's your intention, just keep trying at it. Right. And if it's not working, it's fine just that's what you needed that day right and that these are these this is how we learn is through trial and error um so yeah it took me a full year to sort of unlearn a lot of that stuff and now I look forward to my mornings I'm like yes I could like read my book I could do a meditation and now I just it starts my day off so much better and that again it reinforces that behavior um because it feels really good to start my day in that way yeah it's so good I am obsessed with my mornings also. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's your morning routine look like? Okay. It's kind of gotten totally unhinged this year because <laughs> I fell in love and then just got really busy cuddling, but yeah. I'm to... <laughs> that's heal. That is healing. Yeah. I don't want to delete the cuddling. That's my number one priority in the morning, <laughs> but I am trying to get back into some parts of my old morning routine, which used to be, I would meditate and journal and light a candle and do yoga in the morning. And it was the best. (laughs) And I started to integrate more of like stretching back into the morning routine and journaling. It's not like as long as it used to be and that's okay. But, um, it really, it really changes how I feel and it feels really helpful and supportive. And I'm also like, that's, that's how I want my day to feel. I don't want it to feel like this I don't know. I'm supposed to be doing work that I love. Like, I don't want it to feel like this rushed around, squeezed in, always behind urgent thing. Like I want to have spaciousness and I want to do my best to try and create that. So like creating spaciousness in the morning feels good. And what you said about the guilt definitely resonates. I remember having this, and I've never even had a corporate job. I started working myself right after college, but I still have it some like the nine to five programming in my head, maybe because like that's what my dad always did. Like that was his schedule. That's like what I saw in my family. But I remember taking a bath at like 3 PM one day, like (laughs) probably like four years ago. And I felt so guilty. I was like, I could barely enjoy it. Cause I was like, this is really bad. I should be working, but I was like, I'm tired. I don't have anything else to, to give. And also I already did a bunch of stuff. Like I don't actually need to need to be working right now. So yeah, I think 
like that's so ridiculous and wild. I've never even had a nine to five job. And I still have that, that timeline in my head of like, I should be working in this time. And if I'm not, that's really bad. <laughs> it's so insidious. And right. And even though, right, you, you drew a bath for a reason, right? You intuitively knew that's what something you wanted, you needed mm-hmm. um, and how, and it just, it infiltrates, right? Like you weren't even able to fully enjoy it because the, you know, it, it didn't feel right. It wasn't aligned with sort of what you were you were taught, even though intuitively that was your pull. Um, I'm so glad that you ended up doing it regardless. Because uh, like you said, right? It, and even if you didn't produce anything that full day, I I have to keep telling myself this. If I am resting, if I, even if I'm vegging out in front of the TV, just being perfectly honest, that whatever, you know, that's what I needed in that moment. Right. And like, I'm a better person for it. And I can't watch TV more than a few hours anyways. Right. Like I have a limit to that too. Um, and I do feel better when I like am relaxed and take care of myself. If I move at a slower pace and that, and then I know I'll get whatever I need done. It will be done. Right. Is it an emergency? 90% of the things on my list, 99 are not an emergency. Even if I'm late, it will be fine. Right. The world is forgiving. And as long as you, again, the more you take care of yourself, everything around you, it's just so powerful. It's it's like, it's like, you're telling me, I don't know what it is actually, but it's like, you're telling your body that you value, that you, you matter and that you're, that you are valuable. Um, and it just sort of reverberates. Right. So in my work, I feel like my work is really of good quality and a lot of value because I'm, I care for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like there is sort of this in, interplay uh, that happens as, as well. And then also I'm attracting people in my life who, who are like, if I go, Oh, I'm sorry, I can't make this meeting. I'm taking care of myself. Or I'm not feeling that great. Now I have people in my life who are like, I'm so glad you're taking care of yourself. You know, it, yeah versus like an eye roll or whatever, you know, and that I, that I would get back in the day. Um, but yeah. And I, I just to going back on the morning routine, it's so important. I, I have to always do either an hour and a half or two hours every morning. And so if I don't have that, I wake up even earlier. If that means waking up at like 4am, I will wake up at 4am. Oh like if God. I, and this, this happened recently, I had a flight at nine and I was like, I have to leave by six. I'm waking up at four. And I did. And I was like, First of all, it's really peaceful that early in the morning. Um, and I just, yeah, it starts the day at it. At, it like starts the tone for the rest of the day, truly. And so, and, and if things happen, um, it doesn't affect me as much because if I'm starting out stressed out, again, if stress, uh, um, uh, what's it called, adds on itself. So if I'm already a little bit stressed, any little thing could just throw me off. Um, and then that'll negatively impact the rest of my day. So if you start off, yeah. centered, grounded. And again, whatever that means for, for you, um, try it. And if it, you like it, then you're more likely to go back to it and kind of continue that in your life. Yeah. I'm, I'm also curious to hear your thoughts about like not burning out while centering community care and also like how privilege and also like being marginalized factors into that conversation. I think like I'm seeing this happen with some people in my life who are like centering community care in like deep and beautiful ways, but are really fucking burning out doing that and are also marginalized in different ways and, but have privilege in other ways and are like, Mm -hmm. okay, well then I should be. So it's, it feels, I think, confusing to navigate and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, definitely. 
and, and I saw this a lot, right? Like I worked in the corporate field and I've also worked in a lot of the nonprofits. And I will say in the, in the nonprofits, you're there and you're you're getting compensated a lot less, but you don't care, right? You're there because your your heart is in that mission and you want to help, right? Like that is so such powerful energy. And I will say when I was at my first nonprofit job, my supervisor had an eye tick. Like she was so past burnout that she was just like her physical body was just um it was just like hello help me like expressed it and and she eventually left so she just like it was almost like i think she didn't even give a two-week notice i feel like and she was like the director of the program was just like hey i sold everything and we're moving to another state and i didn't hear from her again and i didn't have a supervisor for like several several months all this to say is if you don't care for yourself something's gonna give right and um either it be a, a physical diagnosis and i'm not saying this to like scare anybody but like if you keep ignoring your body and stress is so harmful, like there's a biological experience when we have stress, shit's going to happen to us physically. Right. Um, so if it's not that, maybe it's like a mental breakdown, depression, you're, it's not, you're not doing anybody any good if you're not caring for yourself because then you're going to end up quitting. Right. Or, um, hurting your body. And like going back to community care, if you're, especially if you're like in, in a leadership position, like, and I see this with a lot of activists, if you're not caring for yourself and your body, you're telling other people like budding activists, right? Like you're telling youth that it's okay to put yourself last because you know, the, the, the mission comes first. That's I'm realizing this now. And I mean, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. I'm finally figuring this out. Once you take care of yourself, then you could take care of the community. It really truly starts I mean, imagine a world where everybody centers their wellness, right? And they take care of their health. They heal themselves, their their, their trauma. Um, they take work at a slower pace, right? Because the more you take care of yourself, then it's easier. Now you have the capacity for the long run, right? And and we need people doing that work, but we need you for the long run. So that means self-preservation that has to come first. Um yeah, it has to come first. There, there's kind of no way around it because you you might self-destruct and it's not good, right? It's not good modeling for the people around you. Um, and then, you know, you might not be around for the long run, right? You might have to end up quitting everything and moving out of state because you can't take it anymore. Um, and that, again, it's not, it's not doing anybody any good. And it's part of capitalism. Hello, I feel like we just kind of fall into that again, right? Of just like, you know, laboring until no end is seen as like, pious or something or honorable um, mm-hmm. um but i know I, I want us to challenge that a little bit especially if we're doing activism or community care work yeah yeah thank you for sharing that i feel like it's good to hear yeah. <laughs> but like holding both is okay like mm-hmm. one doesn't have to be centered like without anything else you know like you can hold caring for self and caring for community and it doesn't have to be either or and hopefully it's not either or it can be all yeah yeah exactly I know and then I do also see the thing right especially if you have some privilege in some way maybe feeling like you owe that to the movement or something um again that's not doing anybody any good because again if you're showing up uh past your limits and if you're showing up stressed you're more likely to make errors, right? So the work quality will will suffer and you're more likely to perceive threat, which means you're more reactive, mm-hmm. um, which is not great for like interpersonal stuff. Um, and you're more likely, like I always give this example 
and this actually happened to me very recently where I was emailing somebody in my life. And I said, do you want to meet Tuesday or Thursday? And then she emailed me back saying yes, uh, which was an, an answer. So now I have to go back and say, yeah, I know either Tuesday or Thursday. Right. So if I wasn't already had my morning routine and feeling centered, like I recognize that as, oh, she's overworked. She multitasked tasked, like she's rushing. Um, but if I was already under like a level of stress, I might take that left. Like, oh, she didn't read my email. She didn't take like five minutes to like give me like focused attention, even though I know that wasn't her intention. I know she has a lot on her plate, but even right when we're doing too much, we make these errors and we're more likely to like do sort of interpersonal gaffes, which are totally like not on purpose, right? It doesn't mean you're a bad person, um, but like you're not giving someone your full attention. And that's really like, probably one of the most powerful, powerful things that we could give to each other in this, in this world right now. And if we're multitasking, if we're stretched too thin, um, it's again, it's not good for you, your work quality suffers. And then you're more, it, it affects emotional engagement with, with the people in your community that you're, you are caring for. Yeah. This is reminding me of the conversation I recently had on the podcast with a somatic therapist. And we were kind of talking about how, like, doing somatic work, healing work, caring for yourself, all those kinds of things. They like create more spaciousness in your body. When you said reactivity, that like really made me think of it. It's like, and I think it's true. It creates more spaciousness in the body and more grounded presence to like be, be more honest, to be able to be more self-reflective, to be less defensive and more open and like able to show up in really different ways interpersonally and like for the collective experience too and that feels really important totally and I like that word spaciousness because truly that's what it is it's just carving out intentional space if I wanted to I could fill up all my time I I, you could do the do this too anybody could fill up their time right if it's not going to be work it'll be extracurricular if not it's going to be friends family like I could fill up my entire schedule that doesn't mean I'm a better person right Um, and again, that means I'm just, I'm not giving my full attention to things. And if we don't, again, if, yeah, like adding the space in between, because we are reacting constantly to things. And if we don't give ourselves the time and space to just reflect a little bit, again, just being a little bit intentional about that, we're we're more likely to either like uh, stuff it down because we didn't have time to process it. And now it's on there inside unprocessed. And it might come out the next time somebody said something and they're like, why did you? come at me like that that doesn't make sense right like because I didn't have a time to sit down and process and and, right being honest yeah like and I you know I think we're all sort of living in our own realities and we're all sort of projecting everything to each other so you know however somebody reacts to me has nothing to do with me again I finally realized this in my mid-30s but like if I didn't if I was in that constant space like I would I'd be more likely to be reactive to to the people around me and then if I don't have that space I could say got it. They said this thing to me because they're probably stressed or they misinterpreted it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm a good person. Um, but how can I show up for this person that shows like, you know, takes responsibility and care it, it exactly. Like we actually need physical space to do that work. Yeah. And when you say stuffing it down, that reminds me of something I saw you wrote on Instagram and I thought was so beautiful. <laughs> when you repress your emotions, you become a stranger to yourself. And that, yeah, that really hit me and feels just a thousand percent true. So 
So I guess I'm wondering if there's anything else you want to say about that and impressing your feelings. Oh, that's such a big one. That is such a big one. I mean, that's something that I really struggled with for a really long time, mm-hmm. especially in my family. We didn't have honest communication, possibly because they didn't have the, can you, all right. Which family had honest communication? They, <laughs> they deserve a trophy. <laughs> like either they're working, like I don't, they didn't have the tools, right? Like that, that's, like, that was clear. And um, they weren't, they weren't given the tools, um, but they were also working so hard where there was actually no time. So if you weren't in line, they didn't have time to like teach or explain. It was just like kind of a lot of reprimanding. Um, and so I learned from them, right? Like, okay. And then if I got to act a certain way, I'll got to hold back. If I'm not, if I'm, if I, if there's a intuitive, no, I can't say it. Right. Cause I have to like go along and, you know, don't want to rock the boat kind of, we had to keep everything on a tight ship. Um, and then I lost touch with my, with my, what my yes and what my no was. And this was sort of part of burnout where I just kept saying yes. Cause again, American dream, you got to do everything 110% hustle culture. Like I totally bought into hustle culture. I really thought that was a good thing, like doing more. And that the thing is it gets rewarded. Like I literally became a manager so fast in my career because I never said no, because I was working a pat- I was the first one to start and the last one to leave. Like that was, mm-hmm. I dedicated my, my, my attention and my life to my work. Like that, that was the kind of worker I want where I was. Um, but then it was literally at a certain point, I, when people was like, oh, what do you like to do for fun? I was like, uh, what do you like? I was just like, I had no idea. I was just was sort of saying the things that I think people wanted me to hear. I'm like traveling. Uh, you know, like, I was just like, I don't really, do I like traveling? Like, I really had no idea. Um, so, you know, what I ended up doing is I had a, I had a, a notepad app on my phone, on my iPhone. And I, 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 it was called like things I like. I literally had to just start mm-hmm. from scratch. So every time I came across something, either on social media or a book or somebody said something, whenever I came up across something that I, like brought me a smile or like made me feel good. I was like, Oh, I like that thing. Like I actually had to like be mm-hmm. so intentional about it. Um, and then, which is, it's actually really good too. Cause now if I'm ever feeling like, hmm, what should I do? I'll go to my list. I'm like, Oh Yeah. I like the Simpsons. Like I'm a, I forget. I'm like a huge fan of the Simpsons. So like if I have extra time, I'll watch an episode or something like that. Or like, um, it, it helps me get in touch with, with myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Yes. How did it resonate for you? What came up when you saw that? I, so much of my personal journey around healing has been about learning how to feel feelings again. Because in my family, I really learned for many reasons to repress all my feelings. And I did such a good job that I didn't, I didn't have access to them anymore. And now I joke that I did like too good of a job learning how to feel my feelings again, because I'm like crying all the time, but I love it. (laughs) Years of Um, it being repressed. It's like finally, (laughs) yeah, but I think like through all that time, I got so far from myself and Mm. learning how to feel my feelings again has been about learning how to like touch my real self. And that Mm. is, that's like so many years of, yeah, peeling things back and excavating feelings and repressed parts of self. So it's not like, you know, it's not like simple, but I think you became, you become a stranger to yourself really hits because I feel that so much. And I feel the closest to myself that I've ever been now. And that feels amazing. 
um, but has been, has been a process. <laughs> yes. And I love, I love that, that you were able to even, well, one, recognize it and then to get in touch with feelings, because especially feelings. Yeah. I don't know if you grew up in this type of household, but like there was good and bad feelings and like <sighs> crying was just not allowed. Yeah. And I was a crier. I still am a crier, mm-hmm. but it was, it was not allowed. Um, but, and then again, what you don't, what you don't express becomes repressed. Like it will, it doesn't just disappear if you're not um, expressing it. It just kind of continues to stay and fester. And then anything could, that touches that nerve, you know what I mean? Um, could set it off or, or put you in, in a, in a headspace. Um, yeah. But yeah, emotions. Yeah. And because also I don't, yeah. Like some emotions feel really overwhelming, especially if you've repressed it, then you kind of get scared mm-hmm. of it of like, am I going to get swept mm-hmm. away by it? Well, other people like, can they not handle it? I don't want to burden other people with my, with my emotion. Um, but really, if you just literally just let it kind of come bubble to the surface, it won't, it won't kill you. Right. Like, and then, mm-hmm. and then you could, t- then you see it. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Okay. Where did it come from? That's where it came from. And then now I could like talk to my partner if it involves them in some way. Right. Like I said this because this came up and it's related to that. And then mm-hmm. now your par- partner has all this information. They're like, got it. Thank you. Now I know you better. And then you know yeah. yourself better. And then you're honoring yourself, right? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So cool. So powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. And that really resonates too. Like I realized so much that I was so much more afraid of the feeling than mm-hmm. the feeling actually being that hard. Like the fear was harder than the actual feeling. <laughs> like Preach. learning yes. that and learning to not be, sometimes I still get scared when I feel a big feeling cup for sure. But I have all this memory now that I've built of like, oh, this feeling literally will not kill me. I actually, I've felt this feeling before. I felt these big feelings. I can actually do it. I'm brave enough to feel this. And it's so helpful to to have that reminder because they can be so scary. They're really big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, for me, the hardest emotion is is anger um, Mm -hmm. because anger was used kind of against me, you know, like it was kind of weaponized where it was like either yelling in the household or whatever it was. So I actually became scared of it. And when I felt it in myself, well, first I'm like, I feel guilty. I'm angry at this person that I actually care about. Or so it kind of gets stuffed or I ignore it. Or I'm like, oh, that's a bad feeling. I'm a bad person. Um, Yeah. My recent journey is like letting anger kind of actually come to surface. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's, who does this? I forget it. She does this thing called journal speak. But she was like, just write out exactly what your anger is saying. Even if it's like, you don't believe it and it's just not exactly aligned with your values, just say all the horrible things. Um, By the end of it, I'm just like, no, that's got it. That's not at all what I'm feeling. This is just sort of like it manifested and because it's been festering, it kind of takes a life of its Mm -hmm. own and becomes this like weird monster thing. I'm like, as, as I'm writing it, I don't go more than like halfway past the paper where I'm like, okay, no, I actually really love this person. They're doing great. Like, this is fine. And then like, I rip it up. Like that is it. It's so, it's so wild. Yeah. That's so good. It's wild how we can work with our feelings when we just let them be here. And we're not like trying to use all this energy to like cancel them and like push them all the way down when we just like actually let them be here. Then it like they can really move through fast and even if they don't like we have tools and we can feel them but it's wild to me over and over again like I do that too with journaling I've never specifically been like this is what my anger is saying but I'm like I just let it out even though I know that like my thinking brain is like I know that's not true but I just let that part of me speak 
And just like actually letting it out instead of feeling ashamed that I'm feeling this way or thinking these thoughts, I'm like, I can look at it on the page and be like, oh, okay, I can totally honor that part of me is feeling this way. And also it it just feels right sized when I put on the stand and I'm yeah. like, okay, it's all good. <laughs> like I'm fine. <laughs> totally right. Cause what we focus on just become it, like it zooms in and that becomes all we see. But right. If you exactly, there's something about writing it down or just speaking it or like sort of naming it where you get to see it. It's like the size of a P like con- mm-hmm. compared to everything. Right. It's just, it's not this overwhelming thing. It becomes overwhelming. The more we give it energy, we repress it, avoid it. Um, that's mm-hmm. when it kind of, it starts to build on itself. That's so true. You know, I'm, um, okay. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I'll just say it. I'm, I'm, uh, reading the greatest secret, uh, which was like kind of part two to the secret, which was that oh. book. That, it's so, emba- <laughs> I, didn't I realize learned, there's a part two. <laughs> oh, it's a part two. And it came out in 2020. <laughs> I forgot her, the name of the author. Um, no, I forgot her name. Um, Anyways, I have to just admit that I'm, I'm into that stuff, uh, but it's so cheesy. Oh, but it's so good. It like, sometimes I just laugh at it. Cause it, there's like, anyways, um, but she was saying, okay, a lot of good insights. One that there's no good or bad emotion. Like there's no, that label, good, bad. That's not true. There's just emotions, right? Yeah. Um, emotions are not us. That was another good one, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sad. Well, you're not the emotion of sad because once sad is gone, you're still here. So like, no, you are experiencing sadness, right? This thing is reminding you of sadness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, I think this was the most powerful. Whenever you have an intense emotion that feels overwhelming, let's say anger or jealousy, like whatever that is, like that the ickiest sort of feeling, she's like, embrace it. Mm-hmm. She's like, literally put your arms out open and be, and welcome it. Cause she's like, when you shame and judge an emotion, um, it, it doesn't do anything, right? It just like, again, grows. And now you're feeling shame, which doesn't, again, do anybody any good. So if you, without judgment, like welcome it, like, oh, hi, anger. Oh, oh, hi. Like I started to do that. I did Mm. it today in the shower. The emotion dissolved, instantly dissolved. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't put my arms out, but I was like, oh, that I I see you emotion. Like, come on in. I welcome you. I accept you. It immediately just like, like loses its power. Um, Anyway, there you go. That was like really, uh, that one for me was really, um, um, really moving and, and powerful. I feel like it's like, you can see the shadow of something around the corner and it looks really big and scary. And then like you turn the corner and it's just like a tiny plant or something. Or it's like a small <laughs> cat or something. It's like not actually scary. <laughs> that is a good analogy. I love that. I yeah, that's that. what's coming up for me as yeah. I'm talking about this. <laughs> totally right. And it's around the corner. So you don't see its full form, mm-hmm. but you see the, what the light is reflecting. Yes. But if when you, you really it. look at it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm going to take that with me. That was awesome. Take it with you. It's yours. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, now I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, which is what does living open mean to you? And what comes up when you hear that? <sighs> what does living open mean to me? Hmm. Yeah. What, what comes up is kind of being open to myself, kind of what we were talking about of if I just being okay with whatever's coming up, right? Like not judging it, just noticing it and accepting it, giving yourself that unconditional positive regard and non-judgment and acceptance um, and allowing stuff to for you to experience um, is so, so powerful. And that's something that I've been, I have to intentionally do with myself, like 
sometimes I have to be just really real and just like shut the door and be like, what do I actually want? You know, like what, like, I don't care if I'm embarrassed by this. I don't care if it's like this wild fantasy. Like, what do I actually want? Um, it's, it's just even just acknowledging it and writing it down. You'd be surprised at where it might come back up and, and show itself up in the future. Um, but allowing yourself to dream and to feel and honoring um, all of your desires, that that to me is, is living open. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank can you. you tell people where they can find you and follow you, work with you on yeah. that? Sure. So I would say the best place would be Instagram and I'm at Mona LMFT. So M-O-N-A, that's my first name. And then LMFT stands for licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, so yeah, you can reach out to me. You could see my page. I actually recently turned off notifications because I'm trying to get off social media yes. a little bit more. I don't have notifications on either. It's the best. <laughs> Game changer. I, I, today I had the me- feeling of like, Oh my God, I didn't check Instagram at all today. And I looked, it's because I didn't get any notification. I mean, I had notifications, but I didn't see them pop up on my phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so Creating good. space. Now I have all the space. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Love that for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And I also have a website, Mona Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, I, I like just to hearing from people if anything resonated. Um, um, and it's so nice meeting you, Erin. I just feel like yeah. I wish I lived closer because I feel like we'd be really good friends. Oh, me too. You got to come to Philly and let me know. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'll come. Maybe once this like, oh my God, third pandemic peak. Yeah. Once that comes to yeah. end, hopefully soon. Um, Yeah. I'd love to come visit. I'll take you all around West Philly, all the gays. <laughs> yes. Come on. That's all I want. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.